0: Welcome back to Dark Britain, the podcast that looks back and tells the stories of the darker parts of Britain's history. On this episode, we're going to be going to be stepping into Chloe, your wheelhouse, a little bit more, (laughs) uh, talking about harlots, and in particular, Charlotte the harlot, which Mm -hmm. the alliteration and the the, uh, rhyme of that makes me quite happy so Charlotte yes. the harlot this is what we're going to be talking about today but before we get on to her can we kind of set the scene can we set the scene of women the, the period of time that we're in what does that look like?
1: Yeah 100% um, women's history has always been a passion of mine um, being a woman myself mm-hmm. um, and I think the Georgian period is a, is a real interesting time to be a woman because There's such a dichotomy apparent. Um, So on the one hand, you've got the genteel woman, the perfect wife. And on the other, you've got the fallen woman who's inclined to disobedience, sexuality. And the two just don't marry up at all. Um, Men of all classes and ages would certainly enjoy the sexual deviant. Um, You know, the woman who would do, well, whatever, whatever your fantasy was, but would not make a suitable wife, uh, especially if the man was in possession of a good fortune, as Jane Austen once put it. The man must marry the perfect, pure wife. The virtuous and obedient woman was praised, of course, but it appears that her unruly sister attracted more attention from Marlene the Gates.
0: That's really interesting. This, This dichotomy between the the two kinds of women that you've laid out is Mm -hmm. is fascinating but how did this kind of manifest itself in 18th century life what did that look like
1: yeah so as the 18th century progressed the image of the woman altered to celebrate Mm. chastity purity and gentility marriage also became more highly prized as did social standing um gossip and drama could ruin a high society lady you know if their virtue was in question all all the kind of things that we see on Bridgerton all of those sort of issues were very much coming to be Um, Mm. but gossip and drama could not ruin a harlot because they were already ruined Um, but they weren't exempt from scandal you know Um, and they were not exempt from high society interest men of good standing often took mistresses as well as their wives so Mm. Charlotte Wells from the TV show Harlots exemplifies how a harlot can become a courtesan and be desired by all. It has been noted that the harlots portrayed in the show are pieced together from real history and real women that existed. Some say that Charlotte Wells is most closely linked to Kitty Fisher. However, upon reading and looking at the sources, I argue that Charlotte Wells is most like the very real Charlotte Hayes. Of Charlotte Hayes, one admirer wrote that she is extremely genteel in all her features, elegant. Her air is fine, her address is polite, and her taste in dress indisputably genteel. She is a woman of good sense, but talks less than most of sex, except when she is perfectly well acquainted with her company. Then few women can be more arguably, uh, sorry, agreeably entertaining. Um, I thought it's really interesting how they how this man references how women talked too much, which is Mm. very much a stereotype of today. Um, And it just shows how, even though this was some 200 years ago, ideas still stand, attitudes still stand. Um, So, yeah, and Charlotte Hayes is the object of our story today.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating I kind of want to pick up on something that you mentioned before with Bridgerton, but then also this Harlots TV show. Big question. But how do you think the representation of the Georgian period and also uh, these people is on, on these shows?
1: Yeah. So for me, as a public historian, as I'm sure Zach will agree, it's much the same. It's about getting a little bit of history into people's lives. And then mm. they'll go. Oh, I'll buy a book on the Georgians. Oh, I'll listen to a podcast on the Georgians. And then they'll seek out these more academic sources. I think it's perfectly fine that they sort of fabricate some things while basing it in truth. Um, mm. And I think a really popular version of this is The Crown. Um, I'm sure many of our listeners watch The Crown, are familiar with The Crown. You know, not too much is known about Elizabeth II. Well, the late Elizabeth II, but they fabricate a lot of things, but. A lot of the events were in the press and were very real. So I personally feel like it's fine that they, you know, sometimes change things a little bit because if people genuinely care and are genuinely interested in the history, they will ask us historians and we can help. Mm. But yeah, to sum up, I think that's, that's pretty much it. And do you feel the same with your history, Zach?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, inaccuracy, historical inaccuracy can be one of the most infuriating things to, to watch on TV <laughs> or on movies or something like that. It can be a real bugbear. But I think there is getting this balance between authenticity and accuracy. Um, mm. A good example of this would be Our World Wars uh, yes. and even Peaky Blinders, where they'll use songs yes. by like the Arctic Monkeys that were not around <laughs> Uh, during the period that the show is taking place but it speaks to the feeling Mm -hmm. of the time it speaks to Mm -hmm. what people were experiencing and so you've got the authenticity there while not necessarily having the accuracy and i think that's okay because you're you're drawing people into the historical world um, by hitting that authenticity which is really good but back to the story charlotte hayes who is she where does she come from what's her story
1: So she was born in 1725 in Genoa to an Elizabeth ward. She grew up with her as her sole parent. Her father paid Elizabeth off so that Charlotte may never go searching for him when she's old enough, may never, you know, because this is scandalous, right? Mm. It's all good having sex with a harlot. um, But God forbid you have a child with them that looks bad on you, bad on your marriage prospects. So... Elizabeth took the money and was like, you know what, fine, I'm going to get on with it. And she went back to England and gave birth to Charlotte. Um, Well, she'd already given birth to Charlotte, but raised her uh, in London and used the money to set up her own establishment in the West End. And by establishment, I, of course, mean boardy house. A boardy house is essentially um, a hub of harlots, a, a pleasure house where men come They pay for the woman they want, have their service and then leave. But the girls all stay there and are under the Mm. care of the board, which is like the mother, the matron, that kind of figure. I think it's also interesting just to quickly say that there were a lot of boardy houses in Covent Garden, yeah? That was like the main purchase of the place because they had the market in the day and then at night it would become, you know, very salacious. Mm. Um, But by putting her boardy house in the West End, it meant that she would get a higher quality client with more money to spend on her girls, essentially.
0: Interesting. And what would be the difference between a boardy house and a brothel? Because everyone's kind of heard of a brothel. They understand that brothels were around in London during this period and and directly before. I mean, we recently did an episode on Jack the Ripper. And yes. so brothels were were a big part of that story so everyone kind of understands those so what's what would be the difference between a brothel and a boarding house
1: yeah so the distinction here is that in a brothel it's firstly it's very often run by a man um right. and is sort of a bit more of a free for all like you can mm. just sort of have sex with whoever you want wherever you want in whatever circumstances whereas a boarding house is slightly more refined um mm. so you know the there will be rooms just for you to have sex in. Um, sometimes the girls can play musical instruments. Sometimes they might sing. It's it's sort of that step above a brothel, but right. to all ends, it's, it's essentially the same thing.
0: Right, um,
1: okay. Yeah, so all sex workers were not created equal during this time, as we've just drawn that distinction between the brothels and the body houses. So Charlotte actually went on to be a kept woman Um, which is otherwise known as a courtesan. And a kept woman is someone kept in a good lifestyle. So in terms of being kept, Charlotte was bought from her mother in the boardy house by a gentleman and would go and live with him and be kept with him. He would buy all her clothes, all her food, pay for her entertainment, basically just so that he can have sex with her whenever she wants, whenever he wants. Um, And this was the most desirable position for a courtesan, um, well, and a harlot. But unfortunately, it wasn't the reality of many and it wasn't quite so great as it sounds. And I feel like that's really important to acknowledge. Um, Charlotte was known for being particularly skilled um, at doing this. And she managed to have many keepers and favourites and favourites were men of her own choosing. So while she was having sex with keepers and men who were paying for her, she was also having our own relationships, which we really have to respect.
0: Wow. Wow. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by BCAD Clothing. Most of the time, history-themed hoodies and T-shirts are childish, in-your-face, cheesy, and most of the time, frankly, unwearable. But at BCAD Clothing, they create subversive, stylish and subtle history themed clothing that you can wear and not feel embarrassed. They also use 100% sustainable, environmentally friendly and organic cotton so that it's good for the planet and feels great to wear it too. The quality is insane. If you want to check out the full range, head to presenthistory.co.uk, press shop in the menu and check it out. so this is this is fascinating right she was able to to do this she was able to have her her job as a a kept courtesan but also have relationships of her own so is in this do we find our crime what what's the crime that's happening here
1: surprisingly it's not her lifestyle like Mm. of course owning someone sounds like a crime to us because that's what happened right he He owned her, and and that was all there was to it. She had to be there for him when he wanted. And it's really important that we don't judge the past by our own moral standards. Um, So it it just really wasn't a crime. The laws against keeping a bawdy house were so complicated that enforcement wasn't worth the time or effort of the watch or the magistrate. Um, And as we can imagine, a number of these men may have enjoyed the pleasure houses, so why would they want to shut them down, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's difficult when the people that are supposed to be shutting them down are enjoying them. It never really works.
1: Yes, mm. as we see all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, there were several other crimes that we would judge by today's standards that were allowed to pass. For example, Elizabeth Canning said that she was abducted and imprisoned in a boardy house. Um, and this is actually something that happens in Harlots in one of the episodes. Mm. Um, one of the nasty boards takes this virgin and locks her in her room and is like, you'll have sex with this man, you'll have sex with this man. And unfortunately, it was very common. Um, Numerous others were absconded from their villages, often with soldiers and scouts, and then they're dumped in London, right? After these soldiers and scouts have said, you know, I'll marry you like after we have sex and all of this. And, And that's how we end up with so many sort of fallen women. Rape figures also rose prominently, um, being veiled with the word seduction, with women having been seduced against their will, um, which in reality was rape, right? That's what we would say it is today. Mm. Um, An example of this one is Anne Cooley in 1758. The board was actually involved in this rape um, in that she allowed it to happen quietly on her premises and did nothing about it. Boards were often horrible, and just didn't trust their girls at all. Um, And in this way, the representation of them in harlots is very, you know, inaccurate because one board is really caring and loving to the girls. And this just wasn't the case. Um, If a girl tried to leave quite a lot of the time, the boards would take the girls before the magistrate and say, they've stolen my clothes because the board would dress the girl. um, And then they would end up in prison. So it was a real, once you were in it, you were sort of trapped unless you were, and found
0: your way out. Wow! Ah, oh, so it's it's even worse than than we might think, is because mm-hmm. because like you you mentioned earlier, the boarding House would be like a step up from the brothel. Yes. So in some cases, it, it feels more sophisticated. It potentially yes. feels more civilized, but actually, it was just as bad. Just yes. the the treatment, the activities might have been different, but along the same kind of lines of yeah. of being bad so 100%. what what was the crime that that we're yeah. talking about here because this, get, is, this, is, this is, this is fascinating <laughs> i'm i'm really enjoying uh, hearing about this because i know nothing really about this so i'm really interested but what is the crime i'm i'm interested to find out
1: yeah i'm sure our listeners are just desperate to know as well <laughs> so the crime actually comes much later in our career so in the 1750s, Charlotte had two very well-documented liaisons, one with Robert Beau Tracy, Beau is like a nickname, um, the wealthy son of a judge, which is also important to note, and the other was with Samuel Derrick, who was an impoverished poet um, from Ireland who later became the author of Harris's list of Covent Garden ladies.
0: Okay, what what is this? This sounds interesting, this list of Covent Garden ladies. Mm-hmm.
1: So it was what it says on the tin, right? It was a list of ladies, first published in 1756 and last published in 1795. It was an annual directory of harlots, then working in Georgian London. So sort of like a Yellow Pages almost.
0: Whoa. Okay. (laughs) Wow.
1: Yeah. It was a small pocket book. It was printed and published in Covent Garden, which is hence the name, and was sold for two shillings and sixpence. A contemporary report of 1791 estimates its circulation was about 8,000 copies annually, which is a lot, right? Especially because maybe one guy amongst a group of soldiers or friends would have it and share it about. And each edition would contain an entry describing the physical appearance and sexual specialities, um, specialties, sorry of about 120 to 190 prostitutes who worked in and around covent garden at this time that's just covent garden right um and through their erotic prose the list entries review some of the women in lower detail so for example you know she's very skinny and she's ginger or she's very large and she's a dominatrix and all of these kind of things that the men would flip through the book and then go yep that's my type that's not but It's quite funny because there were some women in there who were spoken of very badly um, and were then treated as pariahs as a result. And it's thought that they fell out of favour with the author who was never revealed and that was why they got such a bad review, especially if these harlots were old. Um, Mm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Wow, this is is a crazy idea to me that you've got this kind of prostitution encyclopedia that's, that's almost this menu as well mm-hmm. it's it's such a crazy idea was charlotte uh, charlotte hayes was she in the book um or or how was she involved with this this whole situation yes.
1: so it's it's quite interesting and perhaps a little complicated because did you i mentioned San, samuel derrick a moment ago mm-hmm. he is supposed as the list writer at least for some of the years um, and while she was involved with Beau Tracy, which was the judge's son I mentioned, she mm. was also with him. Now, let's just go back to Beau Tracy, because this is where the crime comes in. Um, her actual crime was to do with money, not having any money, um, which is shocking, right? When you think about the kind of life that she, li- she is living. So Beau Tracy was obsessed with her. Like, he would do anything for her. He wanted wow. her for so long. And she was the final woman that he pursued, his great love and the key to his eventual demise. (laughs) He spent insane amounts on her. And while while she was youthful, she lived only for herself and her pleasures. So she entertained other men, such as Samuel Derrick, as I just mentioned, um, using his money. Like she would get money from Beau Tracy and spend it on these other men. And then or she would go out somewhere get the bill and take it back and be like, oh, I'll pay for this. Like, while well, she's literally sleeping with other men. So in wow. terms of the modern day, we have to respect that. Um, but that was her, you know, sort of using her freedom as she could. Mm. So Tracy did own Charlotte. And that is something that we need to remember um, when we say that she was fleecing him because she was also losing a lot of herself to that. Right. But he died suddenly in 1756. He wasn't even 30 And he left her five pounds. Okay. Now this five pounds would only cover a ring, a morning ring, which would have like his initials or something and would always be worn to remind everyone, including her of him. So this was like his final act. Oh my word. Um, Yeah. So you can imagine her being pretty, pretty annoyed, especially because when your keeper dies, they normally leave you tons of money. That's you made for life, you know, off you go. So She basically spent a lot of her years, you know, almost wasted because she got what she wanted from it. But he was in huge debt um, and he died of an unknown cause. So maybe it was money trouble. It's hard to say, um, given the time. But it was this that caused her ruin because she then had nothing to fall back on. Um, Yeah.
0: Oh, my word. Wow. What a crazy situation. You live Mm -hmm. so much of your life under the kind of you know the ownership of Mm -hmm. this man Mm -hmm. and when he dies he leaves you basically nothing nothing except something that will always label you as his yes and then all of his debts
1: yes (laughs) that
0: that is brutal yeah that is brutal so what happened next what what happened
1: so so she'd been going around london you know Using his name to credit everything, like buying all these clothes. Oh, it's, it's Beau Tracy. Buying all this alcohol. You know, she even had a horse and carriage, which was very unusual for a courtesan. Like right. she was really living it up. Um, so she had his bills, then she had her bills, um, and she, everything that she had, she had to pawn. So she had nothing left. She returned home to her mother, and unfortunately, the debtors did find her. Her friends and family tried to help her while she was in this sort of halfway house between prison and freedom. But it just wasn't enough. Her debt was way too big. So by early 1557, she was in fleet, which was essentially a debtor's prison. And here she recognised that her greatest currency was between her legs. Um, Because she was quite sort of prolific as, as, you know, this amazing courtesan, she probably had a much worse time than if she was an unknown woman. Right. Um, but obviously, women still had it pretty rough in prison.
0: Mm. Wow, that's oh, wow. Okay, so yeah. she's now in this debtor's prison. Yes, she's not having a good time of it because her reputation no. has preceded her. Mm-hmm. This is this is not a good situation. Where does yeah. she go from here?
1: So I always like to think of our character as sort of you know this woman who never gives up, mm. and she doesn't because she finds the love of her life in prison. Right no way. A poor Irishman who became one of the era's most successful gamblers and racehorse owners. Now I feel like you can probably tell where this is going, that he's a gambler and that she is you know a spendthrift but together when they got out of prison because he got out first and then he bailed her out because he paid off her debts um, together they set up several upscale boarding houses um, just like her mother did in her childhood and they were incredibly successful and they had one child together it is believed that Charlotte's enterprise was worth um, 20,000, but that collectively she and Dennis owned assets worth 70,000 by the early wow. 1780s. So
0: wow.
1: it's pretty pretty like big amounts of money. That's so, a hefty
0: sum, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you would assume that she was well provided for when he died in 1787. However, she found herself back in debtors prison several times, the final time being 1798, um, and then she died in unknown circumstances in 1813. It's thought she might have had mental illness, you know s- some sort of degenerative disease that unfortunately led to her death. right. Um, but yeah, she'd lived for quite a long time um, in and out of prison, unfortunately. And while the crime of owing money doesn't seem to be dark, I would argue that the lack of support and law for women during this period was the dark part, given so many were raped, beaten, owned, literally kidnapped,
0: and mm. nobody cared. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, the the whole world of everything that has happened in Charlotte's story and everything alongside it is so murky and complex yes. and dangerous. There's so many moving parts, and the laws weren't kind of keeping up. The law mm-hmm. enforcement were enjoying the thing that they were supposed yeah. to be shutting down. And so, no, I think this is this is definitely dark and it plays a larger role Mm -hmm. and it constitutes a larger aspect of Britain's dark history that that maybe we would uh, realize or expect or or understand um which you know is fascinating
1: yeah 100% and I think it's also really important to reflect on episode one um because Charlotte died obviously in 1813 we've got the Ripper at the end of the century and As we established, the police were really interested in finding the Ripper. So in 100 years, we can see the progress of, like, the nation, the police Mm. force. So despite being such a small amount of time, so much has changed. And then again, from the 1880s to now, it just shows the speed of history. Um, But unfortunately, during this time, it was not quick enough to help defend women in in these situations. Um, And as I've said a few times now, Charlotte was one of the better ends of this um unfortunately
0: yeah and her life was was not good by Mm -hmm. any stretch of the imagination um before before we kind of wrap up i did just have one question that's kind of burning Mm -hmm. in my mind she found the love of her life in prison does that mean that the prisons were mixed at that time is that why it was so difficult for her uh, yeah. there with her reputation or or what yeah. was that situation
1: so despite her having literally no money she managed to call in a few favors um from you know samuel derrick among others who was writing the list like he he was also in love with her i don't know what this woman was doing but everyone loved her wow. um and he was desperate to get her out of prison but he sorry and he just couldn't afford to pay to get her out of prison so he was able to give her some money so that she could go into the master's house of the prison which is basically like she gets her own private bed um mm. so like during night the the night she's fine you know it's it's slightly better than one could hope but during the day it's mixed um you know like the communal areas and stuff because also it's death's prison so they're not considered as high risk as like you know murderers and stuff like that so yeah even though it was prison it was still like a specific prison um mm.
0: yeah. wow fascinating i mean this whole story is fascinating where can people go to to find out more about charlotte or about the story of other women like her yeah.
1: so what put me on to charlotte's story initially was hallie rubin book, the covent garden ladies um she wrote on her blog i'm gonna read to you what she wrote about her own work now because i think it's really important to let her have some acknowledgement in this because it's, it's all her research great um so she describes how the inhabitants of these brothels found themselves trapped it's about a few options they had in a deeply misogynistic world where women by law were the property of men it's about what they did with their illegitimate children how they managed to find love how they got out of the profession how they died on the street and how they married well as i say in my final chapter Prostitution was the only way in the 18th century a woman born into poverty could scale the heights and potentially even marry a man of title. Selling their bodies was one of the only means by which they could achieve something, uh, some control over their lives. And in many cases, it was a far better option than marrying a man of their own social class and passing their days in poverty and endless childbirth. If successful, a prostitute could choose her own lovers and make her own life decisions. But there was a high failure rate too, with violence, drink, and debt ending the careers of many. You know, and I I think Charlotte really embodies both sides of this, because when she was with Bo, she was living the highest highs, drinking, getting fine clothes, fine stuff, you know, dating whoever she wanted. Um, But then we see her having the lowest lows in prison, and even when she married the love of her life, she was still bound to him and his money, so it's difficult. Um, Additionally, if you visit my site, www.justgeorgians.com, you can see all the sources that I used um, to compile my information today. Uh, I have some TikToks from there and a few other things as well, which I think um, might be interesting to some of you. So now I'm going to spring this on Zach. I want to do oh, a little no. quick quiz to see if he's been listening. Um, oh, hang
0: on a minute. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I want you listeners at home to join in and try and answer if you can. Um, maybe post your answers here. Okay. Even though I'm going to reveal them. Let us know how you did to see if mm-hmm. you were listening. So okay. here's question one. Where was Charlotte born?
0: Uh, she was born in uh, Genoa.
1: Yes. Yes, she was. Let's go. Well done. He was listening. <laughs>
0: uh, just about. Second, just about.
1: <laughs> second question. When Beau Brummel, uh, not Beau Brummel, sorry, completely different man. When mm-hmm. Beau Tracy died how much did he leave Charlotte
0: oh not that much uh, but I think the sum was <laughs> five pounds
1: indeed it was it was five pounds for a mourning ring
0: and all his debts as well however much they amounted yes. to
1: <laughs> it always makes me wonder though like because I don't know if he was married or not I assume mm. he was because often courtesans were held alongside a noble wife oh, I right. don't know you'd have thought the debts would have gone to her or mm. maybe her dad because he was a magistrate but I don't know. Some more research needs to be done into that. Interesting. So here is a final question. Oh, no. It's got two, two little parts, though. Do you okay. remember what the list was called? Uh,
0: it was the list of Covent Garden ladies, but there was a, there was a first part of that.
1: Um, yes. Harris.
0: Uh, Harris, that's the one. Harris's yes. list of Covent Garden ladies.
1: Which was um, a pseudonym. Um right. again, it's a bit like Jack the Ripper, you know, no one really knows, but people know Samuel Derek wrote it for a bit, but no one knows in the end who who hmm. actually did it. Hmm. Um and my this is the last question, part of okay. that. Do you remember how many copies it reckons it sold in
0: 1791? Um I remember us saying it was very popular, so it was mm-hmm. a lot of copies. <laughs> I'm going to suggest that it's around eight thousand
1: yes bang on top marks three out of three and the bonus question well done Zach let's
0: go <laughs> let's go oh, I hope that, everyone at home
1: good. got on all right with that as well
0: <laughs> yeah I hope so too I hope so too some of those you know threw me off for a second but we're good well that was that was fascinating a fascinating story of of Charlotte but then also everything that happened alongside everything that was <laughs> happening at the time as well it's just a, a fascinating world to research and if you want to find out Definitely. more you can like you said Chloe you can visit her site uh, all the links will be in the description on YouTube and also in the show notes wherever you're listening to the podcast version of this as well and you can visit the present history website presenthistory.co.uk, for links and transcripts and sources and all that kind of stuff and make sure to follow us on all social medias as well and we'll see you in the next episode of dark Criminally
1: accurate.
0: <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Thank
1: you. <laughs> Bye.